Alright, get this. Okay, I'm on Drag Insights now. And Doug's average reaction time in U-Stock Automatic is an 035. It's time for Class to Racing Today, the podcast the for the NHRA Class Racing fan. Which is the class median reaction time of 063. So, Doug, you're definitely one of the best U-Stock Automatic drivers in the country. Well, this is Class Racing Today. Welcome back. ClassRacingToday.com is the website. This is the special, we'll call it an anniversary. It's more a pre-retirement party. Uh, 60th episode of Class Racing Today, ClassRacingToday at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. Uh, also, <clears throat> we want to remind you that you can support the show directly. Go to ClassRacingToday.com, click on the donate button, and you get to choose the value that you get out of the show. Send it back our way through that so we can continue these conversations. Uh, and you can kind of have fun with that if you want. Uh, just as a mere suggestion, this is not a, a guide or, or a rule at all, just a more of a guideline. Um, you can do numbers that have some interest, like maybe a, <clears throat> a $60 donation for the 60th episode. I mean, come on. Just start thinking about be creative. Uh, all support is helped or helpful and very much appreciated. Uh, you can also help greatly by sharing it out and getting more people to listen and watch the show. So we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, we do have the Class Racer Revival it's coming up the second anniversary of that. Uh, Brian, RaceDerbyCity.com. Uh, have you talked to them? How's it going out there? Sounds like it's going really well. I think they're getting a lot of cars, a lot of support. So it's going to be really awesome to see, to be watching from my couch. Um. <laughs> right. You'll love it. You'll yeah. love to be watching from Yeah, I couch. hate that. Like this weekend, like trying to watch, but trying to get things done. I'm like, why is there two races going on at the same time? Like it's so hard to... I don't know. You think it'd be the optimal? Like I could have a good setup, like one on each TV, and just hang out with my feet up. But no, it's spring, and <laughs> your feet are muddy. Yeah, I'm standing out in the mud, waiting for farmers to work. So awesome! That's way more fun. Not. Bob, Bobby. No, I just you're not uh, going again was... this year, right? What's that? You're not going, right? You're not going to be able to be there this time. Uh, it. it... I'm still not sure. I'm trying. I'm All trying right. to find, you know, some travel arrangements. Maybe go do some interviews. Uh, still haven't written it off. I don't know. Maybe about like a twenty to thirty percent. Sweet. So I'm I'm still trying. I just I just hit a major speed bump this past weekend though with my own uh, stock eliminator car, where I had oh. my heads sent out to get you know looked at and get repaired. And um, changed the valve springs, went to a, <clears throat> a setup that I think will allow me to finally run the finish line without floating uh, valves anymore. And went to put them on the car. You know, I have to drive pretty far to, to get them. I mean, got them back, put them on the car, went to put my rocker arms on that I took off the car probably, I don't know, four or five months ago. And I just always spin the rocker arms before I put them on. And here, out of 16 rocker arms, like, 10 of them aren't spinning properly. Oh, so problem. I'm like, I just want to smash a rocker arm into my face because <laughs> four or five months ago when I took them off, I don't know why I just took them off and just put them in a box instead of spinning them right then and there and saying, oh, well, in four or five months, I better have a new set of rocker arms ready to go. So um, yeah, now I'm, I'm kind of stuck. So that car will not be ready, uh, at least for probably a couple more weeks or however long it takes me to get another set of rocker arms and all that good stuff. So I am, uh, 
I did hear that I will be driving the 64 Mustang Stalker of Mark Sargenti this weekend in Akko, so that brightened my day up yesterday. So I am excited to get behind the wheel of something this weekend. And then um, that gives me enough time to have my super stock car ready for the following weekend, which is a divisional at Akko. Nice. So that's what's going on with me. <clears throat> just buy those cheater right. Edelbrock heads everybody talks about. You know, you just buy them and then they just work in your cars way faster. <laughs> <laughs> is that how that works? That's the stories. Hmm. That's the story, except if it's a small block Ford, the valve size is too big. You have to shrink the valves down and you have to do all kinds of extra work. And then you have to carry about 15 or 10 to 15 extra horsepower and a ton of weight in the car. So, yeah, it's but they just, as usual with they, Ford, it's never just buy it and bolt it on. But they <laughs> magically make your car faster. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a unicorn in a box. So do the stickers on the side of the car, don't they make it faster too? Is that why my car's so slow? You know, I always thought I always thought you were trying to remove drag by not having them on. No, my friend with a Honda <laughs> told me back in ninety nine that stickers make them faster. So I believe him. Hmm. All right. Well, if you had a Honda, you probably put one over the exhaust pipe, and that's how they make that stupid little <laughs> sound. What's more like me, 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 me. My voice isn't high enough to do that. It's not more like a diesel if I try to do that, Bobby. <laughs> At Code Dragway, uh, import versus domestic. You'll hear a lot of it. That's a fun, fun race to go to. Yeah. All right. We do have some very, very... Uh, sad news to convey that one of our favorite announcers, Bob Uncafer, passed away. He was in an at-home hospice. He had liver failure. It seemed very sudden. Whatever he had and went through, I think it was cancerous, and it came on quick and just terrible, terrible news. Uh, a great guy, a great announcer. Stock and super stock announcers especially are very hard to come by. They, it requires so much knowledge to be able to announce those classes, and this guy had it. And he was funny and, and just, you know, creative, clever behind the mic. Uh, Craig, are we going to be able to hear, like, <clears throat> one of his most – one of his, like, funniest moments? We're gonna, I'm going to listen to this every morning I go to the racetrack just because I just – how do you not laugh? Like, stole it off Facebook, so I'm sorry for whoever originally posted it, but – Okay, All right, great. we're going to see how this goes real quick. And it's just... Fair on the right-hand side. Factory stock D, drag pack, fair on the left. Hey, look and at all my fans waving. all sorts of problems. Lindy, Lindy, stop. Pull <laughs> over, please. Lindy, pull over. <laughs> Up against the wall. Just keeps driving. Lindy. Oil, smoke. Lindy. <laughs> Lindy. Oh, man. <laughs> that guy's going to be missed. Wow. You know, it's only funny because it wasn't me in the car. <laughs> oh, man. I See, it's wild because I, I mean, I, I'm so new to this drag world because of you two. Um, but the first real race that I just paid attention to and watched was uh, the Glass Racer Revival last year because Brian was there smoking the place out um, and Bob was the announcer there. So he is the voice of, of uh, Glass Racing to me now and uh, it's weird to not be able to hear that again. It's a shame. Oh, man. 
big shoes to fill. But you know, it was pretty cool the way the way I understand it. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people putting burnouts. You know, burnouts for Bob was a big thing this weekend. So there's all kinds of people doing big smoky burnouts, dedicating to him. Mm-hmm. And I, the way I understand it, he was there and kind of watched that and followed that and was able to watch the races. So that's pretty cool. He had a weekend to do what I just seems like he really loved to do. So be missed and big shoes to fill, but I'm glad he was able to enjoy it. Definitely will be missed. Talked to him in the food line at the class race revival last year. And, and I said, how do you, you know, you're so good at this. Like, how did you get so good at it? And he said, I just try to get to know the racers. He walks around the pits, he said, and, and would get to know racers, get some backstories. And it just, it showed in his announcing, you know, the knowledge that he had and little backstories he would have on that driver when that driver was up on the starting line. So definitely will be missed. Rest in peace, Bob Ungerfer. How do you file all that away? Like how much research and like, like I can't remember what I did two days ago, let alone people I met and how they got started. And I mean, yeah, the one or two good stories would stick in there with you, but he knew something about everyone. He must have wrote a lot of notes. I heard he would research throughout the week at stats, things like that, and and he probably had notepads with him. Well, I, I, I think it's kind of it falls into the same category as rodeo announcing. Because the good rodeo announcers know all the stuff on every rider that comes in. And that's the same thing with, with you racers. As you racers travel about the country and you show up at the, these different races. Uh, and knowing details and data back then, I talked to an announcer down in uh, Texas a couple months ago. And he said uh, for rodeos that they do, they're spending days prior to that just refreshing data and stats on everyone that's planned to be there. So they have something to talk about. Uh, and they also, he also told me, he said, don't let facts get in the way of a good story. So you never know. You can't always believe what they say, but as long as it sounds good, it doesn't matter. Yeah, man. Well, we have another, I mean, geez, maybe we go from one sad story to another sad story before we get into a happy story with our guest today. Um, but a driver out in Las Vegas this past weekend, Superstock driver Steve Schmidt. He has a Superstock G Automatic uh, Chevy Two, and he was running. They ran class eliminations. There was a double race in Las Vegas. Uh, they ran class at the second race, and um, he went went through the finish line, I believe. Superstock G Automatic showdown there, and the transmission locked up in the car he flipped it wrecked it uh young racer he and his wife and um it's you know i've been told by other racers it was you know it's pretty sad that the family's kind of devastated here's a picture of the car by the way um a really nice clean looking car and it's it's pretty wrecked right now so maybe racing family we can kind of pitch in lend a hand somebody wants to put together a gofundme or something uh, I would love to help this this driver get back on the track. Uh, he, you know, he's pretty pretty down and out about it. This is their son posing with the car in his senior pictures. So it's definitely like a, a family uh, a family affair. It's a family heirloom. I know if, if 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 I wrecked my car, you know, please God, don't ever let it happen. I would be absolutely devastated because these cars are in the family for so long that you would just be 
you know, you'd be heartbroken. So let's put something together for this uh, racer, Steve Schmidt, a Division Five racer, and see if we can't help uh, that family get back on the track. Somebody set up a GoFundMe. If, give whatever you can, $10, $20, $50, $100, whatever you can do. I'm sure this family would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And um, let's see if we can't help them out. Well, there's a lot of older stocks. I mean, there's people that collect older cars that are no longer running. I mean, how many people have three different cars sitting there that used to run? Maybe that's a good way to help someone out. Bobby, you'd be devastated if you hurt the Mustang because your dad would come find you. <laughs> right. That would be the devastation. <laughs> like, that's maybe a little assumptuous of me. but Dad Fazio's wrath. Yeah. <clears throat> Here comes, gotta, here comes Poppy Foz. You got to get him on the show one of these days. That'd be fun. Oh, the stories. It's not, it won't be a politically correct episode. I don't know if we can do it. It'd be rated. Hey, so as long as we disclaim, TV, it's fine. BMA. <laughs> I want to hear about what he thought the first time you went down the track. Oh, that'd be awesome, right? <laughs> I like it. And his version of the national event he had stolen from him that would be probably not oh yeah they took his beer yeah. away divisional divisional, divisional. <laughs> maybe wow. we'll do that maybe we'll ask him all about it absolutely do it but in the meantime let's ask our guest today all about how he got started racing and what he plans to do this weekend all about the car that he's driving which is a very unique combination uh built by a well-known racer on in division one uh, we'll let we'll let the guest tell you all about it. His name is Doug Hoven. He's 18 years old, college student, taking a little time out. He's got he had a chemistry test last night. He goes to Rutgers University and he has a calculus test today. So he's taking time out of studying to join us today. Let's give him a welcome. And uh, well, I guess we'll try not to keep him too long, but who knows where these conversations can lead. So Doug Hoven, Doug, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. All right, Doug. So. Let's get a little backstory on you. We, uh, you're a Jersey boy, but what, what town in Jersey were you born and raised in? I'm in Monroe Township. I'm actually about five miles from what used to be uh, Raceway Park. Um, so Rest in peace, English town. I always <laughs> have to say that. I always have to get that in there. All right, go ahead. Growing up, growing up, I was always going with my dad to Raceway Park and hang around the track, so... It was sort of one of those things that obviously I wanted to do it. Um, it was really bad timing because right when I turned 16 was when Raceway Park closed. So that meant I couldn't just drive my car to the track on a Friday night. But we're in a pretty good location, um, pretty centralized for a couple of racetracks. We've got four tracks within 100 miles. So there's never a short... Uh, a place to go on a weekend if I wanted to. I know we are so spoiled, right? In division one over here. I mean, if you have to travel more than two hours to a divisional, you're like, Oh, to leave <laughs> earlier. Like poor Brian has to drive what? Like 10 hours to get to, 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 to like one racetrack. It's like uphill both ways, right. you know, just. And to only have to go five miles to English town. That's a shame. I mean, you could have been there all the time testing so that's ugh, still makes me mad all right doug so let's talk about your uh your car that you're driving in stock eliminator now 
you got you're 18 years old you just yep. you know got your license two years ago and you're already in stock eliminator so let's start on the car here what kind of car are you driving and tell us all about it and how you got to start driving it um it's a 1970 nova that's uh owned by billy knees um about it was about just about a year ago um i was actually helping billy play with um he calls it the the not for nothing car um it's on class racer it's a 05 cavalier that he pulled out of a junkyard and decided he wanted to go class racing with it so while we were playing with that um i had remembered him talking about his six cylinder novas a lot and i never remember seeing one of them run and right around that time i said i asked him what it would take to get one of the cars running and he said well not too much probably need to pull it out first and see what it needs so over my spring break last year um i went up to his house and we pulled the car out of the back of the garage. Um, I figured it had been at least 10 years since the car ran. So there was going to be a couple things that need to be done. Um, he put the transmission back together that had been sitting on the shelf. Um, and apart from that, I just sort of ran the car the way it was. So what class it went, was it then? It's in U stock automatic. It can run. T U N V automatic. What's the index in U stock automatic? Uh, 1485. 1485. All right. So, what's your best time with it so far? Uh, last year I went a couple 1430s at the end of the year. And what's the um, mile an hour then? Like 100? Or I've gone 90. Almost 91 miles an hour. I've yet to go 91 with the car yet. Wow. What kind of engine combination is in that? Uh, it's a 230 inline six. What kind of carburetor is on that thing? It has a one barrel monojet. Oh, one barrel. So then the CFM on that, like, what are we talking here? Uh, 210. It was rated at. 210 CFM. That thing is starving. Okay. That's probably pretty easy to tune, though. Yeah, yeah it's it's very basic for tuning. <laughs> probably the easiest jet change I've ever had. <laughs> jet. <laughs> what, uh, what kind yeah. of RPM do you turn in that thing? Uh, I go through the traps around 6,000. Oh, very low, then. What do you leave at? 3,500. All right. What are you shifting? Uh, around six. All right. 3,500 leave, six shift, and six through the traps. Power glide? Yep. At the moment, it has a power glide. Um, I brought a metric 200 up to Sepanic uh, racing transmissions over the winter. So hopefully at some point this season, I'll be able to try that out. Yeah, I should pick it up. A little bit. What kind of uh, rear gear ratio do you need in that? Uh, 488. Now, if you switch to a metric, can you step that up from a 488? Um, that'll be something off to try. Um, it seems like 
I could probably use a little bit more gear in the back, but that'll just be something to try later on. And then are you running like a, the regular stocker tire? Or are you running a shorter tire? No, I'm actually running a 26 by 8 Goodyear uh, bias ply tire. Oh, okay. No radial then? No, it's it's tough. A radial, when I compared the two tires that I was looking at, um, these tires were a lot lighter than the radial. And with a car with limited horsepower, all the rotational weight sort of helps. You know, I've been wondering that for years now because I run the, the pro bracket radial, the Mickey on my uh, stock eliminator car. It's a 28 by nine. I can't fit a 30 inch tire under there. So they do weigh 26 pounds a piece. Whereas the regular 30 by nine stocker tire that everybody else runs, I think they're like 23 pounds. So I'm spinning six extra pounds on my car, which is a low horsepower car. And then, the, like you said, there's bias tires out there. Like I could get a 28 by nine bias tire that weighs about 21 to 22 pounds. And I've always wondered if that weight would cancel out the the fact that it's not a radial. And if I just blow it up a ton, I mean, I run about 24 pounds in this bracket radial. Can I run, I don't know. Can, can you run 24 pounds in a bias or, or what's the max in a bias? That's something I guess I need to look into. What, what kind of pressure do you run in the bias? Um, if I know the track is good, I could get, get away with 26, 28 if I want to. I usually run around 20 just to make things safe. All right. So you can really blow up. You're blowing the bias all the way up to 26, 28. They say that's safe. You, we can do that then in a bias tire? Um, I'd say you you probably could. Sounds good to me. So you run 20 to be safe. Why? Do you think there's any chance in hell that that car will spin the tire someday? Or has it done that? It does. Um, if you go, if I've gone to tracks on Friday nights where the prep is not exactly good and it'll spin the tire a little bit here and there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've been to those Friday night testing tunes where everybody's dumping <laughs> exhaust and water and air conditioners running and uh, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's something to be, to be accounted for, I guess. Now, Let's let's talk about Billy Neese for a second here. So he owns this car and yep. a bunch of other cars. He's known on Class Racer as like the dime rocket specialist. Where does like how long have you known this guy? Where does he get these cars? Where does he come up with these ideas? Can you can you speak for him for a minute here? I've known Billy probably ever since I started hanging around the racetrack, probably 10, 12 years old. Um, my uncle has known him forever since he started racing in stock in the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, Billy definitely is willing to try things that a lot of people would just shake their heads and <laughs> not even give it a second thought. So Billy actually, he's fortunate enough. He has a, a friend that has a junkyard around him so if he has an idea for a car and it happens to be sitting there then 
he's been known to borrow some cars from the junkyard to try them out and stock eliminator here and there. Um, yeah, he, he had one that said Nisa's pieces on the side and it had like the Reese's pieces, uh, logo. Yep. On it. That's the, uh, that's the 72 Ford or Nova that he, uh, that he built. And nothing that he builds is like above like T stock automatic. Right. I mean, it, I've never seen um, him have a fast, fast car. He ran fast cars when a long time ago. Um, he had a couple different Camaros that he ran. I think he ran super street with one of them at one point, super stock. Um, right now he has a, uh, a 79, uh, Le Mans that he runs uh, Q stock automatic with. So <laughs> Q we're getting up there. He, he could put together a great business, just renting cars out to kids that like are just learning how to race. I mean, I think you should do that. Billy, business plan for you. Let's write one. Doug, you put it together, okay? I, I put the idea out. Weird. Don Kennedy wants to know what kind of headphones you have because he wants to get them for his wife. Uh, these are a – they're a HyperX is the name of them. HyperX, all right. We could Got have, that, Don. <laughs> we could have Nisa's pieces, but then you have Nisa's leases. Perfect. See, Brian's the smart one here. He's the creative genius. I just work here. Nieces, leases. Yeah, that kind of has a ring. I think that uh, I want to be cut in on that, though. Per weekend charge. Uh, like a security car. deposit, it's obviously. It's just a race rental car system, right? I can't imagine that right? it would be that much. You can just rent your race car. I bet the insurance you would know, be dynamite. They work good for Hertz. <laughs> Doug, just, I'm thinking we strap the uh, 360 camera in your car this weekend when you're getting chased by hopefully something pretty fast. What do you think? <clears throat> that would that would be cool. You could uh, <laughs> that'll uh, show me looking almost completely around. Like in that car, you can almost <laughs> you can do that. I only have a lap belt, or uh, it's a, a impact lap belt. So <laughs> does it have a bench really, seat? In it? Yep, it's a bench seat. So in st- instead of slow motion, is it slower motion? <laughs> <laughs> All right, get this. Okay, I'm on Drag Insights now. And Doug's average reaction time in U-Stock Automatic is an 035 compared to all the other U-Stock Automatics in the country, which is a class median reaction time of 063. So, Doug, you're definitely one of the best U-Stock Automatic drivers in the country. Congratulations. I didn't know that. (laughs) Let me tell you how hard that is, okay? So average reaction time on Drag Insights, in that number, it's not counting any red lights. So Mm -hmm. the only thing you could, the best you can do is triple zero, obviously. So if you crack like one, you know, 50 or 60 or 80, just randomly, it ruins that average. So for you to be at 035, I mean, I work on power rankings all the time with some crazy, you know, drivers that we all know, some really good drivers that we all know. And some of their reaction averages are 040 and 050. So 035 and a U-Stock automatic car is killing it. Not to mention you've beat people. If I go to your competition tab, you've beaten Joe DiMarzo, great driver. You've beat, you're undefeated against Todd Bednez, Division One champion last year. Gary Richard, the PC Richard and son driver who always has great cars. 
you've beaten him. So dogs are forced to be reckoned with and you stock <laughs> automatic. How'd you get so good? <laughs> uh, no, that's a good question. <laughs> I just sort of, I have a little portatree uh, pocket pal uh, practice tree that I sort of figured out where my setup is almost having to meet the third amber <laughs> versus waiting hey, for it. What's your rollout on the tree where most people are like 320? What's yours? You know, I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> Probably but like 400. <laughs> I think I tried my uh I tried my father's practice tree set up for his super stock car and I came up like 30 red. <laughs> so Well, how did you get started then? Because you didn't just jump right into this car. I mean, you kind of did because you're still 18, but you've only been yeah, driving I, for two years. Um, I never did the junior dragster thing. Um, I did a lot of BMX uh, bicycle racing and a little bit of motocross here and there. So I always just went to the track to watch and hang out and help work on the cars. Um, so probably... I think right around, I think I just turned 15 or 16 and NHRA had just started the junior street program and I begged and pleaded and my dad finally uh, let me race. Um, he has a 2011 uh, Crown Victoria police, ex-police car that uh, I ran in junior street a little bit and then eventually... I decided I wanted to race my uh, 83 uh, five-liter Mustang in Junior Street a little bit. Um, and then that turned into me running my Mustang on the weekends at Island Dragway up in North Jersey uh, in Sportsman here and there. Doug, so in Junior Street, does the parent have to ride with you or do you ride by yourself? Yes. Uh, I think it's anybody over 21 usually a parent or a guardian. Yeah. They ride in the passenger seat. Is it quarter mile or is it eighth mile? It's eighth mile. Okay. That's a cool. How old does the driver have to be just 16 with a license or. Uh, they... I think you can start at 15 if you want. So you don't even have to have a driver's license. You're allowed to just drive yep. a car down the track with a parent. It's like a learner's permit rule on a drag strip. <laughs> yep. Before you have a learner's permit. It's <laughs> a great idea. What where were you doing that? I was up at uh Island Dragway up near uh Hackettstown, New Jersey. I wonder if Maple Grove has that. I think I think almost every track in Division One has that. All right. We gotta spread the word on that. Get that out there. Great, great way to get people in the track. All right, so you started with this. You had this 83 Mustang 5.0. Uh, first, it was the Crown Victoria. Now, yep. 83 Mustang 5.0. Tell us a little bit about that car. Um, my dad bought it from a, uh, a co-worker that he worked with um, when he worked for the IROC NASCAR team. And uh, originally, he bought the car. He got it for... A real good deal and he was thinking about just doing a quick flip um then sort of 
I got involved with the car and that sort of turned into, I want this as my first car. (laughs) So when I turned 17, I got my license on a Monday. And then uh, that Saturday, I borrowed an open trailer and towed my Mustang up to the track so I could bracket race it. Oh, (laughs) yeah. So that was quick. Wasting no time. Yep. Mind you, I have students. I have a stepson. I don't see any of them driving before they're like 30. I just don't. I don't know if I could trust some of these kids behind the wheel of anything. So, Brian, how old? Well, hold on. Brian, you have um, some youths in your house. (laughs) Your youngest drives a semi around the yard. Picking up bales. Oh, How old is he? It's not a semi. It's just a. Oh, I'm sorry. A big dually Dodge. The dually in a 36 foot gooseneck trailer. Like, <laughs> How old is he? I think he's 10. 10, right. <laughs> but he did that like. I think he was eight when he started driving that, eight or nine. Yeah. He couldn't even reach the pedals hardly. <laughs> the best part was, is uh, be like, okay, you have to back up now. He jumps out. He goes, no, I only do D. I don't do R. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> he doesn't even know a drive reverse. Like, you can drive forward and run back up. Nope. <laughs> I don't do he that. knows his limits. I like that. Now, Doug, how are you? Uh, are you doing your maintenance? Are you learning a lot from Dad, from Billy? Uh, are you getting mechanically um, inclined? Yeah, I actually the the engine that's in my Mustang was sort of the first engine. My dad and I built that sort of together. Um, then after that, I started just doing a lot of my own mechanical work just to learn from i learned from watching my dad work on his stuff throughout the years so when it came to the end of the season last year um there was no doubt in my mind that i needed to rebuild the engine in the the nova so i decided i pulled it out by myself my parents went away for the weekend i pulled it out in the garage i tore it apart and realized what needed to be done and uh actually the only work that i could say that i didn't do was the machine work on the block i i brought the cylinder head over to a good friend of mine uh scott gray he raced in division one for the super stock car a couple of years back and uh instead of him just taking care of it himself and working on it he uh he showed me how to do uh, a valve job on a uh, cylinder head. So I got to do a decent portion of uh, that work myself. And that right there is why more kids need to be involved in drag racing. Because while most college kids are looking for keggers, <laughs> you know, you're looking to pull valves out of heads. And I think it's funny. Wait till they're gone. Let's just do it. Like, that's pretty awesome. But the question I have for you is Bobby always tells us how hard it is to work on Fords. Like, was it really that hard? Um, he's talking I've about worked, the Chevy. Yeah, I work on <laughs> no, the Chevy. No, he said he rebuilt the motor in his Mustang. Yeah, listen, Bobby. Like, <laughs> um, you know, it's. I don't think it's as hard as <laughs> it seems sometimes. See, um, Bobby makes everything I a mean, little too hard. So it was a good lesson there. <laughs> I have to. I gotta make it look like. Yeah, one I have to have reasons for not making it to races on time. 
Uh, but Doug's doing great. Doug, you can – here's your shot. So you're in school to be a mechanical engineer, right? Yep. And you can be like the new class racing engine builder because, let's face it, all the engine builders, the reputable ones right now are getting up in age. They're probably all going to stop soon, and this can be you. Okay? You can be the next Brian Tilburg, Bob Whitaker, you know. There's a guy on the West Coast, Eric Jones, that everybody uses, and he's only 42 years old, I was told, so – I mean, that guy's got the West Coast on lockdown, but I think you can you can just take over the East Coast. What do you think? We'll get you some. Mach- I'll buy you machinery. I'll get you whatever you want. You're obviously smarter than I am, so I don't want to. I don't want to mess anything up. I'll just watch you do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the. I actually, um, the engine in the Nova was actually uh, the at that point when I when we had all the parts and it was ready to go back together. I sort of. I sort of told my dad and my uncle that uh, I wanted to sort of do this on my own. Um, I would be open to tips here and there, obviously, but I wanted to just be left to my own devices to see if how well I could build a uh, stock eliminator engine. And so far, it uh, seems to be working out okay. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And that's... I was basically in the same boat and I, you know, it's nice to be coached, but I want to do it myself too. I'm, you know, a parent's not always going to be around with you and, you know, I want to learn things on my own. I'm much better at building engines now than I still have to learn the automatic transmission, how to work on one of those would be, would be nice, but the engine, the rear and the manual transmission, you know, I've gotten a lot of coaching over the years uh automatic transmission still a little bit of black magic to me i don't understand how that thing works and why it should work like that so uh maybe you know that can be our next uh challenge that we that we knock out <laughs> so this weekend we have an atco uh national open so division one we is our first race of the weekend it's not a divisional though it's a national open so we can all get a grade point get some get some practice run as fast as we want to go without worrying about horsepower um, so what do you think? You headed there this weekend? Yep. I'll be headed down there Friday morning. Friday morning. It's just a two day race. I think there's testing Thursday if you want, but Friday is qualifying. Uh, not really qualifying. I think it's called time trials because at a national open, we're not, we don't qualify on a ladder. Uh, and then Saturday is eliminations to completion because they don't want to race on Easter Sunday. So it's just a nice little two-day race, and we can all leave our stuff there because we have a Division One event there uh, next week. So are you gonna? You're obviously you're gonna run both, right? Yep. Cool. Now, you also drove um, a fast car. Was that last year or two years ago? I saw you. That in was a... yeah. That was last year. Um, I had after the um, national at the double header at uh, New Media Dragway last summer um i had helped out a friend uh, larry pappas with some computer trouble that he was having over the weekend and uh he sort of said well i guess my car's here and the class racer nationals were the following weekend he said um he asked me if i wanted to drive his car so at first i was like i thought he was joking going from a 14 eight a car a kid that's never gone more than 1320 in his Mustang to 
a mid 10 second car. Um, but what kind of car he was it? serious. It's a uh, 97 uh, Firebird Formula. What class? Uh, B stock automatic. All right. So, yeah, that's something I would just say yes to before I even <laughs> thought about it and then hurry up and try to figure it out. <laughs> Did you so find- tell us more? What happened then? <clears throat> um, so, that was Sunday. I left the track with, I had his trailer keys. So, I came back on Friday by myself. Nobody had the, nobody took time off to, go with me so i just went there up by myself to new media and uh i made my first passes that day and figured out how to drive the car and that weekend um the first race on saturday um i went out first round and ran the the buyback race and won a couple rounds there and then sunday i uh Lost to Joe DiMarzo in the semifinals. So, semifinal, second day in a car. See, Brian, how easy it is to win in one of those cars. What's your excuse? I just suck. <laughs> so, what did you think about like comparing that car to yours? Was it really, did it seem fast or being in uh, this? The first pass was definitely uh, got thrown back in my seat and just hold on. <laughs> With the e-shift, it made it easy because you could just put both hands on the steering wheel and <laughs> watch where you're going. Now you got you had to say it, didn't you? Now we're going to have Bobby. All the time we have for today. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. He's going to be all about hurt now all week because you said e-shift. But, I mean, those cars just go down the track. I mean, they just go straight. They just, like, at least yep. my experience are it, just so easy. It's like you're not even really going fast. Yeah. After after a couple passes, it the car just it goes down the track. There's no drama, no fuss, no muss. It's it just works. Is it hanging wheels? Were you doing big wheelies? How was that? Uh, not big wheelies, but enough for someone who had never done something that could do a sub one fifty sixty foot before. What was what were you what were your sixty foots? I think I had a one thirty eight that weekend when the weather got cool the one morning. That made you get giggle a little bit on bit. Yep. That's pretty awesome. How do you like being chased versus chasing in a car like that? You know, I liked chasing. It was, well, obviously I had never done that before because not many cars are slower than you stock automatic at a given Division 1 race. But um, driving that car, everything happening at hundred and 20 plus miles an hour everything happened a lot faster and when i got back in the nova everything seemed a lot slower so i think it actually made me notice things a lot faster than i would before so it i think it helped some of my driving in the slower car just by driving a fast car for a weekend which did you like better you know Definitely going fast was a fun experience, but I think I like driving the Nova just because I like, I don't know, I like the car. <laughs> it's a cool car, and it, it looks cool, too. It's a nice color. It's, it's unique. Um, the Formula is a great car to drive, 
Um, but there's, you know, there's plenty of them out there. There's not too many used stock automatic Novas out there. So it's like a, a give and take. You think there should be true start since you drive this used stock automatic Nova? You know, that's, that's sort of a touchy subject in my family. I know. Um, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> I personally like. Pretend your dad's not listening right now. <laughs> um, I like the true start system. Um, I ran it obviously bracket racing in division one. We have that. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's sort of not that it levels the playing field, but I, I don't know if I really enjoy the first red light loses the race sort of deal. Um, but yeah, I've heard a lot of people don't like the whole true start deal for some reason. Yeah, but you're Most always go nine seconds. You're also always going to have a clean tree in that car. Like, yep. There's a. I was watching the races <laughs> this weekend. I think there was three different times you could tell. I mean, it was just the clean tree is the way to be. And tell them to build a slower car. Look at a clean tree. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen anybody build a slower car to get a clean tree. Tomato, tomato. Right? Oh, you guys get a clean tree. Oh. Okay. Build a slow car, you'll get a clean tree. No, that's okay. I like chasing people. All right. <laughs> like, <laughs> that might be the best argument you've ever made for that, Bobby. <laughs> oh, man. No, that's uh, definitely, though. I And the speed difference, that's probably where your real advantage is. I mean, going, what, what are you going through the quarter at? Uh, just under, just around 90. So, I mean, I think I'm coming across to just about 130. So just the difference, I mean, you're talking 30, 40 mile an hour difference. Like nobody can judge that if you're chasing. Yeah. I, uh, I think the biggest mile an hour difference I had was at, uh, the Maple Grove division race. I think I ran Jack Mattias third round in, uh, I think it's a factory stock C Camaro. So he was going 145, pushing 150. Yeah, you got to be really good to be able to pick that up. Like the rate of gains just so far off that you're actually at the advantage, I would say. I would disagree. <laughs> I mean, he's got to look over his shoulder and judge it. The fast car is looking straight and judging. At you. ninety I mile an hour, you could still has the advantage. At ninety mile an hour, you could sit backwards in the seat and stare out the back window. <laughs> Put the ride, old arm over the uh... slide over in the passenger seat and run the foot with the <laughs> gas. To your left foot. What do? Uh, what are some ideas you have to get more young people involved in racing? You know, that's always a tough deal. I think when people grow up and are not in a family that either is has like a car background or racing background in general, um, I think the promotion of having some newer cars in the class, like I think being able to see like Copo Camaros and Cobra Jets and drag packs racing, it's like, because we see these cars on the road, like a lot of my friends in the town I had, like drove the street versions of those cars to high school. 
So I think seeing a car that you drive go eight, nine seconds to the quarter mile, I think is sort of cool and makes people want to get out to the track. I hate to admit this, and I think I have one other time out of 60 episodes I've forgotten, but the car that made me want to go drag racing, other than just my uncles and stuff talking about the old Mopar days, but there was a kid that moved from Florida that had one of those 80, you know, the old shoebox Mustangs, the S8, you know, the, that thing was just, something about it, like it wasn't fancy looking, but you just knew it was fast. It was a total sleeper, and then I got experience to a race one night when he raced a Stealth, which was like the other car, like 1996, a twin turbo Stealth was like the wicked car. And that Mustang just stomped him like three times. I thought, you know, that thing's pretty cool. So I can see what you're saying. There's something about being able to relate to the cars you see in the parking lot going down the track. I think that junior street program is a great way to maybe, maybe kids who aren't actually into cars but like to would like to drive one down a track or you know you you put a a kid on some go-karts how can you not have a good time so sometimes you can entice people to get into it by you know with programs like that and when i was in vegas for the national event on friday there were a lot of uh schools uh bust in a lot of kids so they gave them i guess a field trip to come to the race that day so i i did see a ton of young kids there which uh made me feel good because that's giving exposure uh, to them, maybe enticing them to get into the racing world or even the automotive world. So I, I'm all for that stuff. And the other thing was, yeah, I think our Bobby wasn't the smallest guy there that day. Then, <laughs> no, they were still taller than me. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember at uh, English Town for the summer nationals, they would actually uh, some of the local high schools would send like if they had an auto shop class, then the class would go to the track for the day and watch the races. Do they still oh, have, I wonder, I wonder if <clears throat> schools still have automotive. Like we had that. It was more of a, I mean, it was just um, a, around here, at least mainly they don't most of the time they move that to um, a vocational school program. You, where you go for the trades. Yeah. They sort of started phasing a lot of the, trade work out of high schools around this area at least well i say let's get rid of some of these stupid math classes and let's get <laughs> auto shop back in high school and then we'll have like high school like they have high school trap shooting they have high school golf and all this other sports and crap nobody cares about let's have high school drag racing teams like i know there is at our local track where they do the bracket thing there is like a high school class where they kind of compete as a team against other schools but Let's get that in the curriculum. The high school challenge was big at Maple Grove. Yeah, I remember hearing... high school challenges, Doug? Um, ATCO had a couple of them uh, last year that I went to, but I don't think they continued the program for this year. I think it's sort of... I remember hearing how big it was years ago, and I don't really think... I think only like one or two tracks in the division were still doing it. Now, Thomas Dixon wants to know about that Cavalier, you know, tuning that. What kind of computer was in that? Um, that's actually got a factory ECU. Um, the way we tune it was Billy purchased an HP tuner setup. And 
with some between looking up online how to <laughs> what the GM tuning the factory tuning looks like and some advice from people in the racing community uh we learned how to use, tune a factory computer to uh I think we actually made that car go I think I went 50 under at Cecil and that was with the factory exhaust manifold still on the thing what's the et of that car i don't i think billy's gone low 15 o's with it all right so 15 o's with that and you're you were going 14 50s to 80s with the uh, nova which you're hoping to go quicker with now because you just rebuilt the motor so i guess we'll finally we'll see it oh we'll see it in a couple days no horsepower, uh, you know, penalties. So let it all hang out there, Doug. Yep. I'll be running at a hundred pounds heavy on me. All right. <laughs> all right. Oh, we got another comment here. Wow. Todd Hoven's first round in the high school challenge back in the eighties was a triple zero late for anybody that doesn't know. Doug is Dwayne's son. Dwayne runs super stock in a, in a Ford Maverick, but his uncle is Todd Hoven, who runs the 65 Dodge Coronet, and he was uh, he runnered up at the U.S. Nationals last year. He won a couple divisionals, just killer driver, uh, hard worker, just like the rest of the family. They, they don't stop, man. They keep plugging away at stuff, dyno all the time, always working on stuff. So it shows, and then they're great drivers on top of it. I think one of the, the most memorable things going to uh, the track – I think it was, it might've been the, I think it was either the summers. I can't remember. It was a race at English town. It was either the summer nationals or a points meet, most likely the summers. Um, no, it was the points meet. It was after Indy. Um, my uncle came back from Indy with his firebird and he made a time shot or two and something just, he pulled the filter and there was some flakes in it. So he was sort of figuring out what he wanted to do. And uh, I didn't go to the track that day. It was a Friday. I had school. Um, so then he picked me up on his way to get his engine hoist from his house. Um, and then that night, I think it was me, my father, Todd, uh, and Billy, and a couple other guys. We pulled the engine out of his Firebird and changed rod bearings at the track and put the thing back together. <laughs> imagine doing all that at the track i just <laughs> but that's great you probably got it running you probably went you know four or five rounds like he usually does so and he had a stick in that car it might have been when it was a stick shift car too yeah that <clears throat> if i had to pick a car that sort of got me into class racing i'd say that car was probably one of the most memorable ones um he had started racing originally with his, with the GTO that he had. Um, funny enough, that car and my dad's Maverick, that was, those were both their first cars. Um, my dad's owned his Maverick since 1979. So it's been a while. And, uh, yeah, when my uncle bought that Firebird, I thought that was just the coolest car ever with the stick shift. I remember sitting in the trailer and just rowing through the gears, <laughs> Just sitting in the trailer <laughs> <laughs> or using like the playback tack to 
make believe I was running the car and stuff like that. Hell yeah. So here's the comment. Don Kennedy just said, tell that young racer if he wins a meet this year, I will buy him five gallons of fuel for his car. He needs to call me when he does. So this young racer or every young racer out there, Don, that's the question. (laughs) So that's pretty cool. You're already getting contingents. You're getting sponsored already. You know, with that crow, the the five gallons of fuel will go a long way. Yeah, that'll get you through the season. (laughs) I think I get about three runs out of a gallon of race gas with that car. Oh, my gosh. That's what you need these days. I think we should all switch to to single barrel U-stock automatic cars to save some gas money. So you'll be like, yeah, I had a really good weekend. I went, you know, seven rounds, two days in a row. I almost used five gallons. That's crazy. All right. Well, we'll get you Don Kennedy's number. Give him a call. He posted it. He posted it. So if you want to see it, read the comments, and Doug will get it to you after the uh, episode is over. But thanks for joining us today. It was nice to learn a little bit about your backstory. We know you have a calculus exam today, so we want you to get in there and go get studying. You had a chemistry exam late last night. So you uh, focus on the uh, studies, mechanical engineer, future engine builder, and race car driver. So I'll see you at ACO this weekend. Thanks for joining us, and good luck this season. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, Doug. This is Class Racing Today. Thanks for hanging out with us. We will uh, continue these conversations. Remember, classracingtoday.com, you can... Help support the show right there or share it out to all of your uh, friends and fellow racers and uh, family. Why not? <clears throat> Maybe the coffee barista at the coffee shop as well. Today at gmail.com. If you want to help support the show at a uh, sponsorship level, you can send us a note there. Uh, otherwise, thanks a lot. We will see you in the next one. Have a great, great day. See you later.